Good afternoon. Uh, my name is Alice Richard, and I'm the chair of the Trans- ACB Transportation Committee, and we would like to welcome you all. And I'm really excited to wait and hear what Tony has to say. Tony Stevens from um, American Council of the Blind has been involved and is uh, has attended lots of the um, meetings in regards to the development and what's going on. And so he's going to talk to us today. And if you're like myself and a lot of us on the Transportation Committee, we're ex- excited and yet a little nervous. So hopefully Tony will put all of us at ease and get us all excited about the future and the fact that, who knows, before long we may be able to get where we want to go, when we want to go. So at this point, I'm going to shut up and turn it over to Tony. All right. Thank you so much. Is this being Thank recorded? Should I know? Uh, well, apparently not. I thought ACB okay. Radio was going to be here, but no. Watch Come my, on, Count. Watch uh, my P's and Q's. You're safe. As it were. Okay, cool. Is this wireless, too? Yes. Yeah, so I'm going to stand in front. Uh, all right, I'm taking the microphone out here. It is a lovely wireless. Yay, I can move. I've been sitting down all day. I've got to walk around. Uh, that's the thing. When we get autonomous vehicles, we're going to get so lazy. None of us are going to walk anymore. Um, good afternoon, everybody. Hi, my name is Tony Stevens. I'm Director of Advocacy and Government Affairs with the American Council of the Blind in Washington, D.C. It is very much a, a pleasure to have a chance to come speak with you all. I'm not just the staff liaison for the Transportation Committee that, that Alice and a bunch of other people chair. Uh, but actively involved right now on some very exciting things in Washington, D.C. You know, typically, traditionally, my job was always seen, not always seen, but, you know, in a sense, uh, life on Capitol Hill. um, And there's some exciting things around autonomous vehicles to share regarding Capitol Hill. Uh, But there's also exciting things to share about the, the relationships that ACB, Eric Bridges, and myself and others within our organization have been able to make um, regarding autonomous vehicles. Um, I think, is that what I'm supposed to talk about? I think that's it, isn't it? Is that what the thing says? I can't remember what the program says. It's you run around, you run, 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 run. Um, I need a, a, a mini AV. So Uber and Lyft and autonomous vehicles. And do we have anybody with Uber presenting as well? Okay, so I'll give I'll give a broad stroke I'll give a broad stroke brush about the advocacy we're doing in regards to Uber and Lyft as well, because um, I think Uber and Lyft very much play a part in where we are and how we're going to drive to the future of autonomous vehicles. I think it's fair to say um, if folks have a chance to touch base with with I think there's some folks from Uber here at the convention. Uh, another one of the sponsors. So. Uh, but, you know, the, the work that we're taking place in Washington, D.C., both with, with the rideshare companies, prim- primarily Uber, um, I'll be honest, uh, Uber has been the one that we've been working with the most. It's been very tough to get engaged with Lyft, although recently there was an NFP settlement uh, with Lyft regarding service animals, um, which happened, I think, in late March, um, April. Uh, Lyft came sort of willing to the table after the NFP lawsuit against Uber that went into effect January 16th. Um, for folks to know that there is, um, you know, so there was a settlement uh, between Uber and NFB regarding service animals. Uh, there's an attorney named Tim Elders out of San Francisco. Anybody from the Bay Area? Some folks from the Bay, you may know Tim. He's very much a prominent leading disability rights attorney uh, that does a lot of civil rights. Great work for the blindness community. Um, and so they had engaged with, with Uber and came up with a settlement. Uh, we're still, unfortunately, getting complaints, but... You know, it, it's sort of the, the nature of the beast of the, the way in which it works with just attrition of drivers and things like that. That's going to be hard not to crack with the service animals, to, to continually re- have reliable, consistent service just because there is such turnover. 
the key is going to be for groups like ourselves and, and, and our sister organization, not that we're related by blood, but we all know the other group uh, in Baltimore. Um, and, and I think it's, it's fair to say that it's going to require a lot of outreach, a lot of advocacy in general about service animals. You know, service animals has been one of the biggest issues I've been working on this past year. I was part of an Air, Air Carrier Access Act negotiation with industry last year, and we worked a lot on the service animal issue as well. Anyone, who in this room has a service animal? Oh, we have a good number of people here then. Um, you know, I, I always kid about the autonomous vehicles, and I kid with this to the Uber folks as well. I'll look glad to the day. I'll, I'll look forward to the day when an autonomous vehicle comes up because then I know it won't deny me with my dog. Um, um, I say that with love to Uber because I, I will say, and, and, you know, we are involved on in the larger issue of, of accessibility in autonomous vehicles. I was, I was just at a national forum in Houston, Texas last week before the, the tropical storm came and we had to flee. Um, but... You know, it's it's uh, there are a lot of challenges in the auto industry now. Uh, they like to refer to uh, Uber and Lyft and, and where AV is coming in as well, uh, which will disrupt Uber and Lyft in their business model. But Uber and Lyft are sort of focused on autonomous vehicles, and I'll explain some of that in a few minutes. But you know, they call it they call it disruptive technology. Um, I myself look at it as, 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 and this is sort of what the Europeans are calling it, what they're saying in Germany right now, transformative technology, right? Um, the idea for anybody that has stood out at a bus stop for an hour because you missed it by five seconds, and that, or, or they just don't stop because if you have your dog, they think you're walking your dog and you don't really need a ride. That happens a lot in Washington, D.C., or... Even to this day with a taxi cab, I still have a, a, a complaint pending in Prince George's County in Maryland where, you know, I don't know the tag. They, they, they always get the same question. Well, what was the taxi number? You know? And I don't know. Whereas every time I'm using Uber or Lyft, I'm taking a screenshot of the driver. I have a, a, a you know, so in a world where we had great success, let's say, with the taxis last year, and you've, if you come to D.C., the taxis have made a considerable better steps forward towards catching service animals. I get taxis very easy now, thanks in part to the lawsuit that Eric Bridges helped bring up for ACB the other year in Washington, D.C. And our hope is that we can try to replicate that. I'm working with transportation advocates to try to replicate that in other cities so that we can get similar training programs. I think it's fair to say in the rideshare world that we need to continue to do that. We need to continue to get to get out there to break down the cultural um, barriers that stand some in the way of, of, of folks and just the comfort levels they have around animals and they see this as their own personal car not really understand the business enterprise they entered into by accepting the terms of it and conditions, if they even read that. It's fair to say, you know, they push this out now where you have to sort of accept, every Uber driver would accept, but, you know, I'm guilty of <laughs> how many times have we updated software and just hit accept, accept, accept. Um, all that goes to say, though, is that, you know, this world where we're in with the rideshare model uh, is really transformative. There's no question about that, or else a lot of people wouldn't be so passionate and even after, you know, the issues that folks with service animals, myself included, face, we still use it. Uh, and, and we still are working with Uber. We've made a lot of breakthroughs in trying to uh, foster a, a sense of co corporate, uh, you know, uh, culture towards accessibility. They're currently looking, if anybody in here is program-minded, computer-minded, a big tech nerd, they're looking for folks, and they pay good in San Francisco. So if you dream about living on the dock of the bay... Um, you know, there's opportunities, I think, in San Francisco if you're a computer-minded person from an accessibility standpoint. They're hiring right now. They want to bring in that culture, and, and they are at it. Uber is the 800-pound gorilla. Lyft is trying to take into markets where Uber suffered some over the past year because of their, their sort of public image. But um, 
you know, they're going to be around. And, and they're going through a transformative moment right now where they'll come up with a new CEO um, and they'll, they'll be strong because they are well positioned around the country. To that end, we try to find ways to find out how can we work and, and partner. And even though there's the difficulties and the frustrations that we face sometimes, uh, we know we face those in a lot of other areas in our life as well, like I mentioned with taxi cabs. Um, where I still travel around the country um, with, with my, my dog, who's unfortunately not with me for this trip. But, um, you know, we travel around as a team, and folks that have animals know. Um, and then we get the bugs for accessibility on the software, for the, like the app, you know. There's, there's always the thing about the, when Google introduces autonomous vehicle, uh, the blind advocates in Washington, D.C. said, aha. Um, and it reminds me of the old joke about the waiter that goes, you know, waiter, come here. And the guy says, what, what, what's the wrong? And he goes, it's the soup. And he goes, what, is it too hot? No, try the soup. He goes, is it too cold? Try the soup. Is it not good at all? He goes, try the soup. And he goes, where's the spoon? And the waiter goes, or the guy goes, aha. You know, so the idea that he needs a spoon. So for us, that's accessibility, right? We need the app to work. We don't have a spoon. How can we drive an autonomous vehicle if it wasn't accessible? And that was kind of how Google was sort of like, oh, that's a really good point. So, you know, um, in the work that we do, that's where we kind of are right now, just like with ride sharing, making sure the app is accessible, uh, the things to make sure that, uh, you know, uh, just that the technology has us in consideration. And, and we're, we've been fortunate to work with Uber on a national level uh, to really try to be pushing that out. We're working with the NFE settlement. Our hopes is that that will bring uh, lift more to the table. Um, in, in sort of conversations, and we hope that we can engage them as well in the ride-sharing model. Um, we're fortunate. You know, we stand in solidarity with our brothers and sisters in, in the larger disability community that have some serious challenges. But it's, it's primarily around, you know, with the wheelchair constraints, where even in New York City, when they launched the, the, the accessible taxi cabs, the MV1s they called them, uh, anyone from New York here? So they have the accessible cabs in New York. Even those weren't, you know, they were supposed to, they brought one down to, to the Senate building and rolled it out, and there was this huge come and see event. And uh, even those are real difficult, I'm finding out, for people in wheelchairs. So even when we, we think we build from the ground up, but we're really not, uh, it, it's, it's creating an environment uh, that's not there yet. We're not there yet from accessibility, right? We're almost there. From our world, it's a lot easier. Uh, but we still stand in solidarity with our with our brothers and sisters in the larger disability community and pushing for something new. The key is we're going to need to have something new, but we're at a really exciting time. And so what I want to share now, you know, in a sense of where autonomous vehicles is going, is kind of the models, what's going to be driving these models. And I'm not talking about the little, what were those little model cars I built as a kid, the re real rally or realis realistic or something like that. Um you know, it's not those kind of models in the sense, but it's it's the, the the way the business is being created. It makes every sense for Uber and Lyft, even though I hate to think that we're creating an industry of service industry of people who are providing these rides now to people. Um, but, you know, their their future has sort of a, a sunset, right? Because you get rid of that, then you drive your, your ability to make costs a lot more if you get rid of the human factor. And President Obama said one of the biggest concerns when he left the White House at the end of his administration after his eight years the biggest concern he had in the world today it wasn't global warming although that is important it wasn't the healthcare thing it was the automation the fact that we are automating our world more and more and so what are we going to do as people are we just going to be like those that watch the the pixar movie wally -E, where we just kind of float in this symbiotic sort of listfulness through outer space as our planet is trashed so how do we exist in this world right with autonomous vehicles, and, and how do we create an industry 
Uh, our hope is that it can be an industry where accessibility can rise more to the table and our brains can be put to use and create jobs for people who are blind. But in a sense of users, um, you know, how is this going to transform our lives too? Uh, there, we are currently in the United States operating autonomous vehicles on the road now today that have humans in them strictly because the regulation doesn't want to cut the cord completely, right? States are being smart. We're at the, the research data stage right now. Um, who lives in Pittsburgh? Anybody from Pittsburgh? Nobody? Who's from Phoenix? Anybody from around Phoenix? Scottsdale, Arizona? Yes, we are. You all are? Okay. Um, GM is currently running them in Scottsdale right now, mm-hmm. autonomous vehicles. Uber has them in Tucson. Anyone from Tucson? Uber has four autonomous Volvos right now in Tucson and eight in Pittsburgh. In service now. So you can call an Uber now in Pittsburgh, and there's a one out of 300 chance or 500 chance or however many Ubers are on the car that ride that day that you're going to have an autonomous vehicle pick you up. Now, there's a human being in the front of it, but that person is an engineer. That person's job is he he or she can jump in at a moment's notice to, to take control of the car, let's say if... If, you know, the aliens from outer space attack and mind control our cars. But, but more importantly, he's there collecting data. And the Tesla? Yeah. The Tesla, so there's different stages of autonomous. And, and I'm trying to think the Tesla wasn't the person's fault, I think. Oh, the technical fault. I'm sorry, I'm thinking of the Tesla in Florida that was like a year ago. Oh, the Arizona one, yeah. Well, <clears throat> so here's, here's, here's the situation with the Uber cars. We are in the R&D stage of still of autonomous vehicles to get to what's called level five, fully autonomous vehicles. We're right now operating what's called highly autonomous, which still has that human in the front that can in a moment's notice jump in. But the science fiction is still science in a sense and fiction, but it's, it's, it's much more here than we think it is. It's a lot closer than we think it is. There are, there are the technical issues and, and there are concerns, which is why right now states are really taking the trying to figure out how to regulate these things. Some cities are embracing the technology to come into their cities and to try it out like Pittsburgh. Carnegie Mellon's robotic has some of the best robotics teams in the world. <clears throat> Uber came in and basically stole all their professors and opened up shop in Pittsburgh. They took a lovely Volvo cross-country and, and did one of two ways of how we're really essentially going to get autonomous vehicles, either highly or fully autonomous, onto the road. All right. You can take an existing car to date, and you can outfit it with a lot of hardware that someone in their garage that's real smart, like sort of a uh, you know, Steve Wozniak or, or Steve Jobs in the early 80s and late 70s can do. You know? <clears throat> and, and that's kind of what they did. They took the smart minds out of, out of Carnegie Mellon, Uber did, and, and put on the cars and adapted, adapted regular Volvos. You know, nice fancy Volvos that are that have a uh, an image brand image of safety. You know, it's a good car to put on the road. That's autonomous. Um, and the other way is from the ground up. Now, when we talk about larger accessibility issues and from the ground up, there's some interesting stuff taking place in that sphere right now. That's that's taking place as we speak this very moment, and not too far from here, in south of here in Las Vegas, um, called a place called Local Motors, but. In terms of the vehicles that are being outfitted now, the idea is that, and they're all kind of getting into it. GM is getting into it. Um, BMW, Audi, uh, Volvo, as we said. Uh, they're, they're getting into sort of this DIY, do-it-yourself kind of model of, of taking an, an existing car and outfitting it. Um, 
the, the, the more these cars, and this is kind of the path of least resistance, right? It's easy to, it's a lot easier, uh, if you got a home to pop it out, you know, than it is to build a whole new home from scratch, right? You can add on a second floor a lot easier than you can, or a lot cheaper than you can build a whole new foundation and do everything like that to get it done. Um, in, in terms of where they're going with it, every car that's out there on the road is unannounced and maybe the person that has a Tesla that, that is maybe, you know, semi-autonomous or has certain features in it, maybe the highly autonomous, you know, um, they are collecting data and they are, they are, they are trying to work. And the reason why, uh, we are still, I would say maybe 10 years or more away from you and me being able to go to the local dealer and buy us an autonomous vehicle, which in science fiction, isn't that far away. But the way that it's going to succeed and the way we're going to get to that for 10 years is the rideshare model taking the cars like they're doing and outfitting them, putting the kits on it. And they're out there. They're working in real life. And they're using a hive mentality. Does anyone know what that is? The idea of that, you, you notice where you'll see like 100 bees or a, or a school of fish and they will turn on a dime instantly. So they're all, in a sense, taking in information and, and then relaying, communicating information in a way that is is almost like they're an organically one creature. So in Pittsburgh right now, the eight cars in Pittsburgh are, in a sense, one car with eight different vehicles moving around. And they're bringing in data and they're mapping out. They're telling you where every pothole is. They're telling you how different it is when a squirrel or a chipmunk runs in front of your car. The different variations, you know, the, the canes versus walkers versus all this stuff. They're taking in information and they're just, they're gobbling it up like a school of fish, just eating, eating plankton, you know, just yum, 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 yum. And, and what they're doing, though, is they're laying the, the, the basic fundamental bedrock uh, that's going to map cities. We were trying real hard to get an autonomous vehicle here to Reno, uh, and we probably could have if not for the fact that Reno hasn't really been mapped out too much. There is a Tesla plant here in town uh, where they make the batteries for Tesla here, so we we're hoping maybe we could work through that channel. But, again, um, you know, the roads need to get mapped out. Someone needs to be the first pioneer. Uh, it's a little different, though, when you're sending someone up into a rocket ship into space and when they're driving on our city streets, right? Because we walk on those city streets, right? Um, I will say this personally as someone who has been hit by a car three times in his life. Um, I always joke that I have real bad karma. Um, that, that, I didn't say it was a good joke. That, you know, essentially... The safety stuff that's coming in, this is, this is one of the forces that's driving the autonomous vehicles is the insurance industry. Because the technology, even at the end of the day, yes, there was that, you know, there's a technical glitch, there's a technical error, we're working through things. But by the end of the day, the ability to take in data and not get distracted, because most of the accidents happen today are because either, you know, exhaustion or distraction, right? So, uh, yeah, the last time I was hit, yeah, it was someone texting. So, you know... It, it is going to work towards insurance companies are, are wanting to put this stuff on your car as it exists now, even with the human driver. Because it'll just, you know, to have your car like start going, hey, watch it, or, or kick in, or do something. The safety features are going to make immense steps forward for the over 200,000 people that are hit by cars each year in this country, right? So we as pedestrians... Um, can benefit greatly from the technology as it even gets built into regular cars. We're going to be a long way from when every car on the road is going to be autonomous, right? But where we're going with the ride-sharing model now is it's a, it's a model that makes sense for ride-share companies to do it. And what that's going to do is it's going to bring in technology that can really transform our cities. That involves a lot 
of local conversations. And this is where everybody, everybody here in this room, uh, you know, I encourage you as a director of advocacy to plea to you to get involved in your local cities around anything to do with autonomous vehicle regulations and, and laws, but not just that, but the smart cities, right? We're working with wayfinding technology and working with Uber and other folks to talk about how we need to do the handoff. What happens when the car pulls you into a parking lot of a giant mall and you get out? How do you know where you are, right? What door are you in front of? You know, <clears throat> is it the kind of thing where someday we'll all have an IRA on our head and it'll just tell us? But the car should be able to tell you as well. Uh, that gets into sort of the, sort of the fun thing. So I'm, I'm two challenges. I don't know how much time I got, Alice, if I'm gabbing too long or not. Throw a shoe at me. Becky's not here yet? Okay. Someone throw a shoe at me. Okay, till about 3.30. Excellent. So give me just one second. Let me finish my two asks for you all. I have questions for you all, and then you can ask me a question. So hold on one thought. So, so get involved with not just the, the autonomous vehicles, but the conversation is on our smart cities. Because in order for autonomous vehicles to work, our cities are going to have to be smart. And we're working with things like wayfinding technology. You'll hear some of that here at the convention. I think there's a booth set up. Um, you know, find out about that stuff. It's fascinating. But <clears throat> it not only does the handoff, but even now today, an Uber driver who can perfectly see will come up and pull up where the dumpster is in the back of the building because it's not perfectly perfect. Um, there are things coming out now called 5G, the next generation of cell, cell phone technology. Um, there's some folks here from AT&T and Verizon. If you want to learn more about that, try to touch base with them while you're here. <coughs> That's going to allow us to have a lot more data and a lot more communication on a local micro level, like a smaller level that will help sort of hand off to the Bluetooth technologies that are going to be in light posts. They're going to be in doors. We, our hope is that we can just have a smart world. Is someone calling me? I'm sorry. I'm going to put that on. I hope that's not Eric saying, where are you? Um, so I feel like I, exactly that was Uber. Um, my ride is here. I have to go. Forgive me. Um, so, and I'll go to questions just in a second, but, um, you know, I think it's important to say though, that uh, there we go. So we have to be better at advocating for just smart cities as well, because the autonomous vehicles is part of the larger conversation. Um, there are concerns over. How about this? This mic? I got another mic. Is that working? Is that someone calling someone else to tell them to get Tony? Um, thank you. Let's try this one here. Hi. Yeah, this one's working. There we go. So <clears throat> that one just might need to be charged. Um, you know, the other part of the conversation isn't just the smart cities, but uh, local motors. We talk about the ground up, right? What are What are we going to need in a car? And you know, with the cars like the Volvo, and, and particularly with the folks, this is more important for the folks in the wheelchair and mobility aid community, but also in our community as well. Um, there is a company called Local Motors. They have a major, their plant is in, in, uh, in Las Vegas. They have a research lab in Tennessee. Anyone from Tennessee? Eastern Tennessee. <clears throat> and then if you come to Washington, D.C., we'll give you the information to go down to National Harbor where they have a facility set up for demonstrations and tours. They have a lovely vehicle called the Ollie Shuttle. Has anybody heard of Ollie? Ollie Shuttle. I love it because my son's name is Ollie. He loves it as well. 
it was riding around the streets of Maryland for a while outside the D.C. capital. But so Ollie's shuttle is a, a shuttle that's the world's first autonomous, fully autonomous vehicle shuttle. Um, does anybody remember when Watson played Jeopardy, the computer? So they've partnered with IBM's Cognitive Lab, Cognitive Thinking Lab, and created the brains for a shuttle that's kind of like, imagine like a really hip um, VW bug. They're not bug, the microbus. Folks maybe remember the microbus in the 60s and 70s, the kind of, yeah, the flower power buses, you know. So it's kind of that size. It's got little benches, like nice seats on it. But it was built, here's the thing. They, they've revolutionized. They're using 3D printing. And you can take a tour in, in, in Vegas or in D.C. of the, their 3D lab to show you how it's made. Completely recycled materials. <clears throat> and they crowdsource the idea. They've used lever- leveraging the Internet. Folks know what crowdsourcing is, where you throw out a question and a billion people give you an answer and 99% accuracy, you know. So maybe not always. It depends. But to that end, um, they, they throw out the idea for crowdsourcing uh, this uh, car. Now, it takes years to go from draft paper to CAD, which is computer-assisted design on a computer, to <clears throat> material testing, all this stuff, to the final highway when you get the new whatever the fancy car is today. I don't know because I don't drive. But uh, they went in three months, crowdsourced, picked a choice, designed it, built it, printed it on a 3D printer in like 44 hours, and had it ready to go and, and within three months and, and to show to customers that would be willing to buy this. It's a fully autonomous shuttle. Now, granted, a lot of R&D work went into Watson on the back end, but they have, they have come with the, the CTA Foundation. The CTA uh, is like sort of the computer association, tech foundation association. So the foundation for CTA, IBM, and, and local motors um, have, have come up with what's called the Ollie Challenge for accessibility. And right now, there is, if you, you, you hashtag, you know, the little pound sign, um, was it Access, Accessible Ollie, I think is what it is. Um, or if you just search IBM and, and Ollie and, and Local Motors, you'll get it as well. It's local-motors.com um, to, to create the world's most accessible vehicle. Um, it gives us an opportunity. I, I encourage people to go check this out because we have a chance to weigh in. And if one of your ideas gets chosen, you get royalties on that, on that and you get bragging rights. So if there's any smart thinkers in here who have ideas on what do you really need, what would make the ideal accessible vehicle? Now, in this sense, they're looking to shuttles, which is another way to ride share, right? The idea of, like, to the airport or in senior communities like in Florida or college campuses, these type of shuttles could really be wonderful in getting people around and getting people mobile. Some of the things they're talking about is, let's say you walk up to Ollie. Ollie will recognize you have a cane, give you guided directions on how to get into the vehicle, let you know when you're at your stop. They're even working with uh, psychoacoustical technology and theories to put into place where it's, it's creating sound without speakers around you by disrupting the air. So that way, passenger in seat B, row 4, only hears that it's their stop. Like, it's extremely, it's, it's all sort of prototype theoretical stuff, but it's, it, it is taking the smartest people in the world. There's, there's almost 7 billion of us now, so there's a four or five people out there that are pretty smart. So it's testing those four or five people and really creating a system that at, at the core is going to, to really sort of say the sky is the limits. It gives us the ability, their model, and plus they're micromanufacturing. So they're not going through Detroit. They're going through a 3D printer that prints 12 by 12 sheets of recycled polyurethane. If they mess it up, 
they grind it up and do it again within a few hours. It's extremely impressive. Now, we call about, you know, we say this is a perfect example of the disruptive technology, right? But I think it's fair to say that it's transformative. Because we can test things from the wheelchair community especially. They can get things figured out and, and, oh, this doesn't work. Well, you know, with like the MV1, oh, I'm sorry, it doesn't work, but we can't change it. We already pulled the ship out of the, the harbor, right? But that can now be changed with where industry is going to go. So I would say on your radar, have it's called micromanufacturing and crowdsourcing. So local motors probably will not be the only person in a couple years doing that. We noted that the ride-sharing model is getting the hive technology in for data. We have to know in order to have safe cars on the streets, we have to have the data the knowledge to know how to be safe. They have to build kind of a human brain that doesn't get distracted by shiny little silver balls like a cat or their, their phone going, you know, whenever they get a text. So, you know, the great thing is the car is on all the time, the autonomous vehicles. Uh, the Uber cars have these little discs that spin really fast, 360 degrees, and it is on all the time. And it, it's, they're getting to the granularity where it's like a leaf is falling, you know, down the road. So... It's exciting times from technology. Those two things, the ability to R&D quickly and the ability to collect data. You know, there's a talk about IRAs, giving a talk later. They're here, and, and Shimon talked last night, and we've been having conversations with him and other folks from sort of the wayfinding technology, is the more devices communicate to each other, the faster they learn. And, and trust me, we're not going to get a world where computers take over, take over all of our homes and robots come to invade us. But I think the, the key is for us in driving our own agenda forward is in understanding how, uh, again, and we have to get involved with these conversations on a local level with smart cities, autonomous vehicles, but then on the national level with go check out the Ollie Challenge, right, the Accessible Ollie Challenge, and find ways to weigh in on what is accessibility to us and what are the things that can really drive it. Because th there is a chance now, you know, the whole onset of the Internet was like the world, someone can take a blog and speak to the world. Well, we've finally gotten to a point where on accessibility matters, you know, there are people willing to listen to us and, and abilities for us to get stuff that remove the huge amount of constraints that we've had to deal with in past with industry. How hard is it to get something changed after it's already been designed and millions of dollars have been played into it? Whereas you can get a CAD design, uh, someone in Czechoslovakia. In fact, Ali is called Ali because it's Italian for octopus because the person that, that, that submitted it was from Italy. On the internet, the guy was an Italian sort of designer person that had the idea and uploaded his designs and won the prize. So he got Ollie. He got the Ollie. So, and this is not a commercial for local motors or Uber or Lyft or GM or whoever. Um, we're very thankful for the support that Uber and General Motors and others have been giving to us as we, we engage on talking about how transformative things like autonomous vehicles can have. Because think about it. Think how expensive it is to live on fixed route transit. And for those in rural parts of the country, how hard it is to get around. You know, without Uber and Lyft driving the machine forward, if you will, literally and figuratively, um, to collect the data, to be out there, and they get a lot of the grief from, from us as advocates, and they need to be held accountable where necessary. But two, I think it's important for us to recognize that they are also really helping pave the way. Gosh, there's a lot of bad road metaphors in this ad-lib speech. But <clears throat> to really sort of, you know, set the, the motion forward, I'm trying to think, how can I talk about this? In a progressive tone without using car metaphors. Um, so, but I think everybody gets the sense. And so now I've, I'll, I'll be happy to take some questions if folks have more details or concerns or areas. And it's good for me to hear, too, from you. Uh, well, hold on. There was a question let's, over here that started let's try the while ago. Let's try this mic first. I'll raise yeah. your hand for the question. Um, 
Hold on, hold on, hold on. And say your name, too, please. Thank you, Linda. Go ahead. Okay. My name is Linda Wiggins. Um, The question that I have, not that we didn't want to hear you speak, Tony, but I think that a lot of us thought that somebody was going to be speaking here from Uber. And that's not criticism. It's just a question. Okay. So I don't know if Malcolm's here or not at the convention. Is he? Does anybody know? He, he was the one that came last year to our convention and has been doing a lot of the public engagement. Um, I apologize if it, was, if it was specifically set up as that. Um, and so I'm glad to see that people didn't walk out the door when they found out it was me you were waiting on. So, but um, I will say we are, we are very much engaged with Uber on a DC level um, with, with their staff. Um, I would encourage you, if you don't get a chance, if someone from Uber is not here, um, it's always hard, folks, trying to get folks to come over the Fourth of July weekend, um, and then to just Reno, um, coming from the East Coast. But um, there are folks here I would recommend you trying to talk to. Uh, <clears throat> stop by the wayfinding table and find out more about smart cities. Um, Zach Bastian is with Verizon. We've had lots of conversations with Verizon about 5G and how that's needed for for making these things happen. It's interesting stuff to hear about. Ask him about 5G. Um, I would say, uh, you know. In terms of um, Uber and Lyft specifically, so Uber operates in regional hubs, right? Um, if you have a regional hub, give them a call. Let them know you're an advocate from ACB or from your state affiliate or whatever affiliate you're with, and you just like to chat to them. Um, you know, Uber, Uber had the problem. That they reached puberty way too early. Um, <laughs> they, they were, like, eating some of that chicken that makes you reach puberty when, like, you're, like, 9 or 10 or something, I think. Where it was like they, they grew way too fast. And they know that. They've talked about that. And I think the idea was they just exploded and came into cities and out of sight, out of mind sometimes. We weren't there right at the get-go. Um, but we sure have been there along the way uh, since they pulled out of the station. Can I make more transportation jokes? No. Um, but, yeah, so to that end, though, Uber, uh, get involved in the local level. Because they're, they're, they are working to, to bring in sort of the local regional offices more under sort of a larger umbrella, whereas before they were sort of like – your wholly owned subsidiary, um, but I would encourage you to get involved at the local level, um, since uh, since uh, you know I'm I'm the best you get. Sorry, there's no one from Uber here. So, uh, <clears throat> hi, Tony. Thanks for sharing. This is uh, Mike Moran. Right, Mike. Uh, I'd like to uh, bring it uh, back to uh, a daily problems that we mm-hmm. face. I mean, all this technology. We're all sensitive to this, and we're looking forward to it and enthusiastic about it. But on a practical level, there's uh, some things that we can't do. One is we cannot call Uber mm-hmm. uh, easily. Right. And it, it would be helpful, I think, if we could get some kind of uh, disability hotline because they are just so difficult to reach. And mm-hmm. uh, the other thing is I am told that the driver uh, has to watch a video. And, of course, there's no... There's nothing in place that's going to ensure that the driver watches the video. But I'm also told that once the driver denies someone, if he does it again, he's fired. Now, what's the odds? I don't know. It depends where you live, I guess. I'm in the New York metropolitan area. What's the odds of me getting that driver again or him coming across someone with a service animal? Right. So I think there there's some holes in the in the system and the, the big hole is that we cannot contact them i will say go ahead what were you gonna say rebecca who has a bu- was that rebecca in the back no. oh i'm sorry you sounded like rebecca sorry um did you have a comment to that as well or to add to that okay, go ahead add, add to that comment I'm and waiting. i'll respond to the 
I have the mic. Okay. Um, in response to the thing about whether you're going to get fired or not, if or the chances of getting the same driver, I thought I understood that if you rate the driver at like either a two or a three, you're never going to get matched with them again. And chances are, if they deny you service, you're probably going to rate them pretty low. So you should not get them again. Well, here, well, they are if two or three people a, rate them that same way, because if chances are if they denied you, they're going to deny someone else, too. So here is a, here's just some, some quick comments and a little bit about that in terms of the communication. Is um, So Uber does, and you're right, Uber does about 5 million rides a day in the United States. Um, that's a lot of cars out on the road, right? Um, that's a lot of people. Um, it is an extremely. I'm not defending them. I'm just talking from their from business model perspective. Um, an extremely organic workforce. They don't. You can't technically fire because they always say they're independent contractors, right? But you're dropped from the platform. That's the words they use. You know, you're dropped from the platform. Yep. You're no longer. You're you're like um, Michael Corleone in The Godfather. You're you're no longer part of it. You know, you're. you're <laughs> yeah. So. Okay. So. Um, you know, they, the thing with, in terms of the complaints is, and we've made this aware to them, yeah, it, can there be a disability rights hotline? Can there be different ways to get it communicated? Um, <clears throat> when there have been egregious issues, and I mean egregious, like, you know, like issues that are just sort of really out there, but clearly a threat, versus the opportunity to educate, let's say, you know, two strikes, you're out kind of thing, um, we have been able to get, Drivers removed immediately, you know, from the platform. If if those cases are verified and confirmed and that stuff. So again, it's it's we just need to be smart advocates. Now it's 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 a shame to think we have to still live in that world, right? Why do we have to take the burden? Why do I? Why is it every time we go into a store, we have to sort of have in the back of our head, well, here I am with my dog, and I hope they're not going to say anything, you know, into certain stores. You know, there's there's one chain in particular that I have issues with. It seems in D.C. So. Um, uh, but go ahead, real quick comment then. Okay, uh, Dave McLeroy, uh, Visalia, California. Hi. Uh, just commenting on the on the Uber, on the uh, uh, Tesla issue. I, I remember reading it, and what it was was the driver the, at that time. Uh, Tesla had an, a totally autonomous mode, and you could be in it like autopilot, a, a total autopilot. And what happened was the uh, from the article that I read, uh, the 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 autopilot mistook the side of a refrigerator trailer uh, for the uh, open horizon and just smashed right into it mm. and k- killed killed the driver of course of the yeah. of the vehicle so that was the and i do think by the you say 10 years i think more like 20 more because of society than anything else i think we're going to have to make a total paradigm shift to where we have a society no, I know, and that's that's the thing. You know, there's watch consumer watchdog groups been very actively engaged and and you know wanting to to go on and on as more and more. Here's sort of the reality in a sense. Um, it when when industry decides to move something forward, it, it moves a lot easier when than when they don't decide, right? When you have the insurance companies and the manufacturers and then the rideshare programs, um, I think it's fair to say that. Uh, you know, th- it will probably be on the road in three, four years. We'll start seeing this as a service in certain cities that are highly regulated. Probably, um, you're going to, to probably see over that time that data getting collected. 
and people getting used. Here's a concept. How long is who's who's used Uber for more than two years? A couple people. You know, think about this two years ago. Let's go three years back in time. I'm going to step in the time machine over here. I'm going to go three years back in time. All right. All right. We're back in time. I'm going to have a stranger pull up to your house in a car that I can't see. Maybe it's making funny noises. And open that door and get in that stranger's car. I, my wife's coming on Monday, so please don't tell her I said this. We were, we were city folk moving down from New York, and she's a horrible driver. Um, not scary, you know, and I just get nervous in the car. She's gotten much better since we moved to Maryland. I give her credit. But we're both equally anxious in the car. And, and even with her, I'm nervous. But how have we transformed culture of our world in two years? People that never took taxi cabs step into a stranger's car. Okay, so let's go back to the original point. Yeah. No, and I agree. Okay. Okay, well, let's, let's, let's wrap this question up because I was just told we have a lot of hands up. But let's, let's close this out by saying this. You're, you're right. We shouldn't. I take cabs more sometimes because I just don't want to wear my, my work hat when I'm going home. You know, I don't want to have to do the, do you know who I am kind of thing. And, and, and it was funny when Eric Bridges and Melanie had a horrible Uber driver once, Melanie um, Brunson. And it was just kind of like, I was just thinking as the car pulled away, I was like, I hope this driver knows who they just took. And, um, you know, it, 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 but it's, we, we shouldn't be anxious. Um, we should be firm but find opportunities to educate and know that we're still the same way that the cars, autonomous cars are in an R and D stage. We're still at this cultural learning stage of, of, you know, and it, and it shouldn't be that way. Tony, I'm not saying it should be uh, just to that point. It's that mm-hmm. I, I want to say that my experience actually filing complaints with Uber has been positive. The app is very easy to use. It, it takes a screen easier, picture yeah. of all the, all the, the issues. It gives you uh, contact. When I send an email off, I uh, oftentimes get a person calling me back to seek information. They actually have an ex, uh, accessible yeah. hotline already uh, that people yeah. can use and stuff. And they're extremely responsive. And, and so, but, and so and they're taking right. they it have seriously. Made, the corporate Uber has made good steps, but that still. But Mike still has the, Mike still has a valid point though, and I feel your point. Where we had somebody in in a town, and I won't say who it was, um, but the Uber finally said, "Okay." After a, a law enforcement stepped in and said, "You have to take this person," and then went three blocks and tried to kick the person out of the car. So um, you know, uh, we shouldn't have that anxiety. Uh, the problem is. Uh, you go to a McDonald's, and sometimes you just get a. Can I? Is this being recorded? All right. Forgive my French. Sometimes you still get an asshole, right? And 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 it's it's no different from McDonald's or an Uber, and it's a shame. Um, we are continuing to work and try to find positive ways to reinforce and to get the message out to remind people of the law. Remember, folks, it's we're 27 years into the ADA, and we're still having our dogs denied in stores and, and regular. Title III accommodations. So, um, but, which is why we need to have a solid voice. All right? And it's, and it's why we also, at the same point, though, need to work with the way that we might work with, let's say, the restaurant association around service animals and restaurants, uh, the same way we need to work with, with the auto industry and the, 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 the ride share companies and those groups. So, other questions? We, we, let's move on to another. Yeah, I, two quick questions. Sure. Who um, is this? My name is Jim, and this Hi, is Carol Jim. Snyder, my mom. Um, I have a comment, and then my mom had a question. Sure. First on the smart cities, I just mm-hmm. looked it up. 
New York's the only one going with anything what you've been talking about. Not they necessarily. They said it was all Europe, Europe and yeah. Asia. Not necessarily. That, that's that's for okay. I just read yeah. on that. Yeah. Okay. okay. Here, go ahead. Well, I mean, Kansas City received a ton of money from Google, um, and they're really making leaps and strides uh, in sort of the urban planning. I was just in Houston meeting with the head of the disability office for Houston, who used to work for the White House, uh, Maria Towns. Houston is really focused. Uh, Mayor Cassetti in Los Angeles. Um, is focused and committed. They're they're ramping up their their fixed route transportation, and I think in doing so, there's been there's been good conversations. So I wouldn't say it's just New York. Now the key is going to be when will it be Macon, Georgia? When will it be Peoria, Illinois? When will it be you know uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota? Is that in South Dakota? Right. Yeah. So, but go ahead, and ma'am, go ahead. Uh, the micro, do you have the microphone? Yeah, just so people can hear. That'd be great. That does make a difference. I'm sorry. There we go. Is it working now? It is, oh, yeah. Good. Go ahead. All right, I just probably have a very stupid, simple question. I mm-hmm. came in here because I want to start using Hoover. I want to. Mm hmm. So you had Uber on your phone, it's been downloaded. You want to try to use it. I'd like to, is that good now? Yes. Yep. yes. Go ahead. I'd like to try to use it, but mm-hmm. I am concerned about several things. First of all, you I'll repeat the question. Go ahead and ask your question. I'll repeat it. Just for the, if the mic's messing up. Yeah. Oh, hello. There we go. All right. I'm talking into it like Joey Ramone in the 70s. Um, so there was a Wall Street Journal article the other day about a new phenomenon of going back to us stepping in strangers' cars. Ubers. If you fly into Dulles Airport in Washington, D.C., the Kiss and Ride lot, 100 Uber cars waiting to get your ride. Uber drivers don't like to go to Dulles anymore because there's too many people using Uber.
And I, there we go. So, um, could the other microphone just come up here? I feel like that, when it does work, is a little louder. Can I just have the other microphone? Um, Never mind. Keep it. Never mind. Keep it. I'm Ed Ramsey from Houston, so, Texas. Go ahead, Ed. Thanks for the great remarks about our city. The other thing I was going to mention, I use GoGo Grandparent. It's verbal. Everything yes. is voiced. Excellent program. And you can push three to talk to the driver or one to be picked up where you live, two to be picked up where you dropped off. Mm-hmm. And um, in here, in, well, it's national. GoGo Grandparent. It is. It is. And it's, it's not in every city yet. But this was we were talking about this when I was down in Houston. I just last used week. it over here. The thing about GoGo Grandparent is it, it is in certain cities, uh, cities that have older age, because also the drivers are older age as well. It's an opportunity for people who are older in years um, to also make a little money, uh, and it's it's kind of a, it, again Uber started as sort of like a social network, is how they say it, right? Um, the GoGo Grandparent is is good in that. Um, it, it, it caters to the special needs of the group as well. You might not get it. It, it probably is not going to be sitting outside like an Uber where you can catch an Uber here at the hotel and it will say, arrive in one minute. It will. Go, I go, did, grandparent I, will? Yes. Well, then go, go, grandparent smart because I guess if I was going to be in that car with that service, I would be hanging out by a casino where my grandparents thing, hang out at. How do so, you um, – How will you find you, – let's say you get the car when you're in the shopping center. How are you going to locate the smart car when you – you know. Well, and that's what we're talking about. We're working out that technology now with the wayfinding technology so that the car – and they need to figure this out anyways for sighted people so that that car and your phone are married, as they say in computer world, and that it comes directly to you. Hi, my name is Juan Carlos, and I live in Miami, Florida. I am a... Okay, like I was saying, my name is Juan Carlos. I live in Miami, Florida. I use Uber constantly. Uh, Before I used, uh, you know, special transportation services, I'm... As a visually impaired person, I've created a, a you know, my actual a picture is myself and my ch- We, and, and that's one of the issues of, uh, you know, how do we disclose our disability? Uh, and we've we've come to them to say, can I have a picture with me and my dog smiling cheerfully in the picture as well, just to give them a heads up that it's not a snarling, quivering ball of fur uh, that's about to get in their car. But no, you raise a good point. The, the experiences you're talking about, so Uber Uber is currently challenged with the number of cities, a number of lawsuits they're engaged with. There's just one in D.C. There's a big one in Chicago. They are working, they are piloting a number of different solutions to try to find the best way to make cars accessible for people with, with mobility aids and wheelchairs. Um, and so there are different cities around the country are doing some different things. Washington, D.C. is trying something different. Uh, they're trying, like, lease programs where they can lease 
Uh, they'll give you an incentive where you save like 15%. You get 15% more on your fare if you, you Uber drivers can lease a car. And so if you lease the accessible vehicle, you'll get more money. Um, I would say from the user perspective, um, you know, it, it's, it's good. Like you mentioned, your snapshot, maybe it had a wheelchair. Uh, it's, it's good in a sense of, um, uh, you know, they had something called Uber Assist for a while, but I think that wasn't as successful as they thought, where it was kind of like dialing up an Uber with a car seat um, where you would do the specific Uber Assist car, and that would be like an accessible vehicle. And the drivers were trained a little bit more on how to, you know, how to get the restraints right and things like that. Um, you know, in terms of, of what you're looking for, it's still sort of being piloted. Our hope is that th they'll come up with a, a solution that's, that's sooner than later. And we have been talking to them specifically, like you said, about your chair, also around the service animals ways that we can just kind of let folks know, um, you know, because it's, I don't know, just I feel like that could maybe also just kind of get the idea of service dogs out more into the culture, um, you know, seen and seen as well as heard and things like that. So one in the back and then one in the front after that. I heard one up here in the front toward me. Uh, who's in the back first? Oh, let's do the go-go grandparent number real quick. Everybody listen up, and I'll repeat it. Eight five five four six four. Oh, six eight seven two. Okay. And that was GoGo Grandparent. I'm sure if you have access to the internet, you can probably go to GoGo Grandparent. GoGo USA. And and the more that these services also get around, um, you know, Uber and Lyft will learn from them. Uh, it'll also maybe start doing a little competition. And and it could be the kind of thing where maybe it could be consumed like happens in other tech spheres. And then uh, very quickly, yeah. It is I Okay. Question. All right, one Hello. more question. How about one more question? It's four o'clock now. Is Becky here? Hello. Okay, let's do one more question. Being as I have the mic. Being as I have the mic, I'll ask let's a question. Let's have the person with the mic, please. Okay. Yeah.
testing. Testing, testing one, two. This, who has the wireless microphone? If I could have everybody's attention, please. Who's holding on to the wireless microphone, please? Hey, everybody, if you could just quiet for a sec, right, one, one sec. This is Rick Morin, uh, the AV guy. Someone called saying there's a problem with the wireless microphone in here. Who has the microphone? Okay, hold on. Testing one, two. Test, test, test. Testing one, two. Testing one, two. Test. Test, test, test. Testing one, two. Testing. Test, test, test. Testing one, two, test, test. Who wants the microphones? 
Who's who's in <laughs> testing? No, I just want to hand them off to somebody. I think. I'll stick around and make sure they're working. <laughs> okay. Oh. Let's see. I'll put the mic phone. Will it roll off here? No. Up here. Okay, bottom. Okay. Here's the microphone. Paul, you're here? Yeah, okay. Working my way back over. And we'll just. Working my way back to you. Baby. All right. <laughs> we could actually, there's two chairs right there, right? Uh, to the, my right or to your left? To be on you. Uh, I don't see any chairs either. You could be sitting right here because that's a podium. Yeah. If I put the chair in front of the podium, I'll see you. <laughs> Not that they can. Well, that's right. I'll probably uh, stand, but I might sit for a bit. Here's a chair. And then is there one for me, too? Because I'm not gonna, I'm going to introduce, and then I'm going to sit down. Put the chair on the other side. Oh, all right. That's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, but that's half the fun. That okay. would be a lot of fun. I mean, you're going to wait one of the joys of doing this. And I'll run the bike for you. How's that? Okay. My, okay. What's your name? I'm Ed. Okay. Okay, everybody, believe it or not, I think we're ready to start. I'm Becky Davidson. I am the chair of the Environmental Access Committee, and we work very closely with the Transportation Committee, especially when it comes to doing convention presentations. And there's a lot, um, a lot of great information that you're going to get um, talking about wayfinding and IRA and the incredible impact it's already having on everything from going to the grocery store to calling up an Uber. So um, we have with us today Paul Schrader, who is the Director of Public Policy for IRA. And I'm going to turn the mic over to him, because you'd rather listen to him yammer than me. Thank you, Becky. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. I would rather listen to you yammer, but, um, you know, there it is. You're... Ooh, yeah. Well, thank you very much. It's uh, great to be back with Environmental Access Committee. Um, does anyone go back as, as far as the days when I actually worked for ACB from 91 to 94 and did, I did, some, time, I did some time in this committee? It's like it was my penance. Um, 
Uh, I loved I loved coming to these meetings. Um, this was always where we had a lot of fun talking about detectable warnings back in the day. Woohoo! Um, yeah, those were the days. Um, so we've come a heck of a long way. I remember, I believe it was in an environmental access committee where we were getting into a spirited argument about whether, in fact, um, cell phones would ever be good enough to place us uh, so that, in fact, with your cell phone, yes, even, even in the early 90s, of course, uh, we're in the 90s, we knew about GPS possibly, uh, GPS being a thing, but the idea of knowing uh, in, a, in a vertical building whether a cell phone could ever tell you what floor you're, whether you could ever identify what floor you're on, that sort of thing. So we've, we've come a long way with what, uh, what technology can do for us, and IRA, uh, which, which I am pleased to say I am now part of, uh, is uh, one example and a great example of what technology can do. I have thought for a long time that as the advent of miniaturized video cameras and smartphones and communications networks, as all that stuff came together, I remember thinking back around 2000 that this would be a great thing for blind people um, because it would allow us to carry um, a sighted assistant in our pocket, which sounds kind of weird, but there it is. Um, <laughs> a tiny miniature sighted assistant um, right there in our pocket. Um, and so, and I remember hearing about a, a guy who uh, I, I rigged up a way in which he was using a video camera, I think out on a sailboat, uh, to kind of keep track of where he was. What's that? I think it was Bruce uh, You know, I don't, remember, I don't even remember who it was. Um, but I thought it was so cool. I was like, yeah, that's exactly what I think we could be doing is, is uh, using – video camera and, and smartphones and connecting back to people, uh, seeing the vantage point of our world through the camera uh, to give us instruction. And so when I started hearing about IRA, and of course it, it, at the same time we were hearing about um, Be My Eyes Emerging, which is a, a perfectly wonderful app, uh, and um, of course FaceTime was coming about, and as I always say, I've got to uh, two daughters, and, and the main reason blind people have children is sort of like the old agriculture farm days. It's for cheap labor and driving, <laughs> re- reading to us, um, you know. We love them too, but I mean, so that's just a nice added value. But, but you know, this, this, uh, this read. So, I mean, how many of us have used FaceTime, right, to call up our kids or whatever and say, hey, what, what's this box say? What are the directions on this thing? So, um, and, and I do that now because the kids are in college. Not, I could use Ira, but I do it just because I pay for their college. The least they can do is tell me what, you know, what, what, what's in the damn freezer box every so often. So, um, so as these things were starting to come about, I started hearing about this uh, this Ira company, and um, got to meet uh, Suman Kanyaganti, um, who has been around the show, and you some of you heard him last night if you were at the opening session, uh, and he's just so darned enthusiastic um, and, and excited about what this program can be. And, you know, he talked about his friend last night and how he got involved, like many sighted people, right, L- working with a friend who's blind. And, 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 but what, what, what happens with a lot of sighted people is, right, wouldn't it be cool if, well, Suman said that and the thought, well, yeah, it would be cool if, and I'm going to do it. Um, wouldn't it be cool if we could harness this video technology and turn it into a real professional platform? And so now I will admit when I met him, and he likes this story. We met at CSUN a couple of years ago. Um, I, I worked, um, as, you, as you all know, back in the day for the American Council of the Blind, and then I went to work for the American Foundation for the Blind. So for years, right, all, and you guys probably get this too, people come up to you and go, I got this great idea for blind people. You guys really need X, you know, and 90% of the time it's already done or we don't need it. Um, and so... Um, 
The uh, it, now, do we have any uh, University of Michigan people in the crowd? Good, so I can make fun of them. Um, so, my my daughter went to Ohio State, uh, the Ohio State University. Uh, well, well, but the here's the thing I've learned about the Big Ten: we all hate Michigan, so we all agree on that at least. <laughs> so. So, um, so these guys from the University of Michigan have this idea that what blind people need is a piece of technology that whenever you walk up to an automatic door, you know, the doors that have the buttons for largely people in wheelchairs or, or walkers, that it will automatically trigger the door and open it. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's the worst idea I have ever heard. You're walking with your coffee cup, and all of a sudden the door smash right into you. So I'm thinking, typical Michigan people, right? They just assume what we... <laughs> all right, so enough making fun of Michigan. But that's the kind of stuff. And so when I met Suman... Uh, at CSUN, and he had this this prototype for Ira. I said, oh, another another well-meaning guy who thinks what he knows blind people need. Um, and the prototype wasn't working that well at the time. It was kind of long latency, uh, you know, long delay, right? So I don't know, five, ten seconds or something. So 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 th- there was a long delay between what the agent saw and where you actually were. And I was like, oh, that can't work. But it was clear that he was different. This wasn't your, your average sort of guy with an interesting idea that he wants to do for blind people. It was clear that he wanted to do this with blind people, right? See us as partners, friends, peers. And he, in fact, he made the comment the other day that he hangs out with more blind people now than sighted people. It's like, yeah, you're, you're, you're part of us, man. You're, you're, in, the, you're, you're in the family now. Uh, and so, um, and so it, was, it was clear that this guy, you know, he, there was some work that needed to be done, but the concept was right. And more important, the heart was right, and uh, we were in the right we were in the right place and moving forward. So, um, fast forward a little bit, and uh, the platform is ready to launch last fall, and it's uh, it's clear now that uh, as as he's starting to uh, as, as as the Ibra platform was starting to really get into prime time, uh, that this was something that was special. So, uh, what is it? And then we'll and then we'll. Uh, do a little demo and, and talk a little bit more about the technology. Um, I think most of you know, but I'll just go over the basics. So it is a video camera, usually worn uh, in a glass, a smart glass. I, I have Google Glass on my very head at this moment. Um, and it's funny when I tell people that, they're like, I thought Google Glass was discontinued. It's like, well, that was just for the glass holes. Um, everybody, else, everybody else gets to keep it. Um, so, so it actually it was it was discontinued for consumer use because they were you know people were it just didn't get met with the right kind of reception, but it is absolutely still being used in enterprise uh, in development and business, and there are companies using it on uh, job uh, factory floors and things like that. So Ira uh, harnessed it for the video camera in the glass, and so Ira connects the video camera in the glass. There is a MiFi device. Uh, which is about the size of a cell phone. It's just a block. If any of you have ever used one, you know what I'm talking about. Um, there is one big glaring problem with a MiFi device, which is it has no speaker, and they typically have no indications of whether they're on or off. Uh, so it's a bit frustrating. But, um, you know, we're blind people. We're adaptable, and we know how to live with that. Uh, and hopefully we'll also get that solved. Um, so, so the glass connects to the MiFi device. And then is all carried, as you know from last night, if you heard, through the AT&T network. Thank you, AT&T. They're doing a terrific job supporting this. Um, yeah. And also great um, sponsors here at ACB. The, uh, and that means the data is on there, on their network, uh, and, and on, not on your caps if you have a capped plan, as I do. And um, there are 
four of us in the family and the two daughters ran up the data this month, and I'm out of data, uh, as it turns out. So anybody want to lend some data, I'm, I'm here for you. I, I'd love to have it. Hey, it's Troy. So we got the video camera. We've got the uh, connected via glass through the, through the MiFi device, through the AT&T network. The other half of the IRA uh, solution is an app on your cell phone, Android or iPhone. Um, how many Android users are in the room, by the way? Applaud if you would. Oh, come on. Seriously? <laughs> There's really only one Android user in this, in this entire room? <laughs> Wait, did you applaud? Did you applaud, Troy? Okay. Were you the only one? No. Okay. <laughs> okay. There's two Android users. We just When Troy walked in, it just increased by 50% the number of Android <laughs> All right, so, so it is on Android or iPhone. So that's the other half. So the app on the phone is your smartphone. You bring that to the party. Um, and the app handles all of the integration of your communication. So what happens? So you, hit, you bring up the app, and I'll do that in just a second. And um, the, there's some choices to make. It's a pretty basic, uh, straightforward app, real easy to use. But it's, the, the crux of it, essentially, is you make sure your glasses are connected, ready to go. And then you tap uh, the glass choice, and then you tap call Ira, and you're connected to the agent. Boom, uh, and it's you're you're off and running, doing whatever you want to do. Um, the Ira agents are professionals; they are paid, they are trained, and they are also really cool. Um, if you've ever worked with them, you know that. Um, so we we have been. I'll take a question in just a second. We have been really fortunate in having. Um, so many people get delighted to be able to work for Ira that we've had the pick of uh, the best in terms of being able to recruit and train uh, agents. And I, I've been on the, uh, I've had the pleasure of being able to train some agents and uh, sort of catch them as they get toward the end of their time, getting ready to be uh, released as agents onto the onto the Ira network. Uh, and it's just a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to kind of walk, help them walk through uh, what it means to be an agent. All right, I'm going to stop. I'll take a question. Hi. Thank you. Oh, Hi. I have a daughter who I would love to work. She is wonderful. It's it's wonderful to have um, a describer homegrown. And I think she'd be perfect. But she looked on the website and said, Mom, it looks like you have to live in San Diego. Oh, absolutely not. Nope. 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 Anywhere in the country. And so is there training in San Diego or how does that work? Do you want to take that? Sure, I'll take that. First off, hello everyone. My name is Troy Otilio. I'm the Chief Operating Officer at Ira. Really proud to, yeah, really, really proud to be here. Thank, thanks, uh, quite quite a good crowd here. Um, so the answer is uh, the question is about training. So first off, any, anywhere in the country, you need an internet connection and a computer, and you can be an agent. Now we do screen our agents for certain skills, like you have to be good at describing, and you have to have some basic computer skills. Um, and then once you're selected, like we, when we advertise our openings, we get a lot of candidates. And if you make the, you know, if, if you're selected to be an agent, then you go through a training program. And that training program lasts maybe about two or three weeks in duration and involves a couple of steps. One of them is um, some outdoor work. We actually take our agents outside, we blindfold them, and they are connected to an agent. But this is also so they get empathy for what it is like to walk around and use your, uh, your, your senses, your hearing. And the second thing we do is we go through, we have a lengthy training manual and some online training resources so that they learn how to converse, what to describe, what not to do. 
So uh, as, as IRA agents, we're there to provide information. We're not there to um, judge or otherwise interpret and, and help and make decisions. Paul could probably be more eloquent about what this exactly means. But, for example, um, one thing we do not do is tell you it's safe to cross the street. We will tell you that the light is green. We will tell you that, you know, what is in front of you, but we're never going to say it's safe to cross the street. That's something, a decision you have to make on your own um, using the skills you have. So did that answer your question? Yeah, here, Paul. Of course, they need an Internet connection. Um, the, the agent would need an Internet connection, but yeah, it, it, as, the, as the basic uh, path in. Um, yeah, that, and that whole street thing, absolutely. In fact, as if you... Uh, work with agents. Uh, they they are trained to say, "I'll remain quiet while you cross the street," because they know they can't be speaking or talking to you and, and distracting you while you're doing that. They will describe an intersection if you ask them to. Um, so it's helpful sometimes to know how many streets are coming together. Uh, sometimes I find that horrifying. Actually, I'd rather not know. <laughs> like, I'm just, I'm just going to venture forth because if you tell me that, now I'm really frightened about it. Um, so let me let me just do a quick uh, run through of, of the app so you can kind of get a feel for what's in it. What's that? How do people contact? Um, so Ira's website is the best place to go, which is A-I-R-A, um, but it is pronounced Ira, and it's A-I-R-A.io. So we took the I-O suffix. Um, nobody else was using it. And so, I mean, a lot of, I think a lot of tech companies may be using it now. But um, so A-I-R-A.io. .io. Yeah, we're in booth 28 here, and we've got some sh show uh, show specials that you can take advantage of. Um, or you can talk to any of our wonderful folks who are down there. And we're, we'll also have another uh, program tonight after this one if you don't get enough of me and Troy. Um, do the – I mean, so AI is artificial intelligence, right, sort of. And Ra was, I guess was, – was it actually really truly somebody's idea to use Ra, the god yeah. of yeah, light? or? Saman is a, a very visionary, big thinker, and so he wanted to, he wanted a name that meant something. So the first two letters, like you said, is AI for artificial intelligence, and this, the second two is Ra. Remember the Egyptian god of light or sight. Uh, uh, not cool. Uh huh. Yep. But we also sometimes say artificial intelligence remote assistance (RA). So that's another way you can memorize it. And by the way, most people struggle to say Ira. Everyone wants to go Era. Area. Or area, and I always tease, uh, you know, anyone from Boston, like that's the Boston pronunciation of Ira is era. But uh, no, no offense to anyone from Boston, of course. It's number 28. So when you come into the convention hall, if you stay on the right side, um, if, you, if you walk down the right side of the, uh, of the walkway and take a right, you'll be in the area where Ira is. Or the area, I, the Ira where area is. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna. I'll just do a quick. I'll do a little quick tech. Yeah, while you're doing that. Yeah. Don't be stretching. There's no time for that sort of thing. Do we have a question? Mic work this time. Oh, good. Okay, there we go. I'm sorry. I might have missed it. I don't hear well. But what is the cost of? the initial cost and then there's the monthly cost for it so i'm going to jump into all that in just a second let me show the the technology first uh and then we'll come back and talk about plans and months and some of those logistics but i want to get a better feel for what ira actually looks like does kind of feels like 
Um, I've actually folded up the glasses for a minute, and I've put the microphone on the stand for a second so I can have my hands free, but I'm going to unfold the glasses so you'll hear a little bit about what... Battery 90%. Finding Wi-Fi. Yeah, so, so this was the Google, Google Glass that I opened. Now, I wanted you to hear that largely because um, to hear that we don't actually use that speaker. So why did I do that? Well, just because. Um, it, there is a speaker in the Google Glass. It's, 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 it's actually kind of loud at times, especially in a quiet room. Um, but, but in a setting like this or in a setting outdoors, you'd never want to rely on that speaker. It sits behind your right ear. That's where all the technology is in the glass is on the right side. Um, but it is, does give you a couple of basic things about um, the glass searching for Wi-Fi, uh, battery status when you open it, and, and then it'll tell you when it's connected. And I actually took it away from the mic, but it told me that. So I've got the iPhone app. Two of five bars, single strength, status bar item, glass info, heading. Um, let's see, across the bottom are the basic tabs. Home, tab, one of five, selected, my glass, tab, and two of five. slow this down just a little. Headings. Characters, words, speaking rate. I mean, I know you guys don't really need me to. When sighted audiences, man, i got to tell you, you got to take it way down. 65, 60, 55. All right, here we go. Words. All right, all right, fine. Home, tab, one of five. Selected, my glass. Wi-Fi, selected, my glass, tab, two of five. My favorite is the Wi-Fi tab. Wi-Fi, tab, three of five. I sometimes call my wife that. She doesn't like it. <laughs> Usage, tab, four of five. I know. We've been married 30 years. I don't know how I did it, but... Yeah, usage is the... Uh, for. Usage, more, tab, five of five. And then is the inevitable more tab. And to be honest with you, I'm not even actually sure what's behind the more tab because I haven't looked at it in a while. Um, I know there's health, uh, and I think there's some other things you can do there. Um, and the usage we'll get to in a second. It's a nice tab to have. So the first thing I always do is make sure the Wi-Fi is connected where it's supposed to be. Wi-Fi, tab, three, selected, Wi-Fi. PWS iPhone, selected, ATT Wi-Fi 9487, Wi-Fi. Now, you heard it said AT&T with some numbers behind it. So that tells me that's my AT&T uh, Wi-Fi device, ATT Wi-Fi 9000. which is great. And I just reselect it anyway just because I'm anal like that and want to make sure. Um, and then I'll usually look at the My Glass tab. My Glass tab, two, selected, My Glass, My Glass connected, heading, refresh, button, glass info, heading, Wi-Fi name, ATT Wi-Fi 9000, glass battery, 90. Estimated time, 144 minutes. Version, 177. MiFi info, heading, MiFi battery, 63. Signal strength, poor. So we just got a, lot, a boatload of information there. I learned about the glasses. I learned about how, many, how much time is left on this charge of the glass. I learned the percent of charge on the MiFi battery, which is nice to know. And I also learned that the signal is poor, which is, gives me some fear for doing this next part of the demo. Uh, I hope the signal might improve between now and then. There is, you know, there is one... There is one thing about IRA that is uh, still a, it's, it's not a work in progress because it's not really fair to say that because it's not IRA. It is the, that is the cell network is not as ubiquitous at five bars as we'd all like it to be. That's true for anything. Um, and it's true for IRA. It's true for any cell phone based technology. So there are places, uh, sometimes indoors, sometimes just in places where the network is not as strong as it is, should be. And there are some places where AT&T network isn't maybe as strong as another network. So that's, my phone happens to be uh, an AT&T phone as well. So I'm going to go to the home button. Home, tab, one, selected, home, tab, and from one. here, I can make some choices. Call era from phone, button, glass, button, one, selected, phone, button, two of two. All right, so the first thing was I got to select glass or phone. Glass, button, one of two. And you heard that that phone was the selected one. Glass is not. I'm going to go ahead and select Selected, glass, glass one of two. 
So Ira can be used from your phone camera as well as from the glass camera. We tend to like the glass camera for lots of reasons. It's better for orientation. It's easier because the agent and you can best communicate where you're looking uh, and, and that kind of thing. Uh, most, most of us, the orientation is sort of looking left, right, looking up, down from our head is, is fine and, and it's good orientation. But sometimes the iPhone camera is simply a better, or the phone camera, is simply a better way to do what you need to do. Um, but when you're running through glasses, again, remember, the glass is running through the MiFi device, which puts you on the AT&T network. It's not your data then, which is nice. Uh, I've selected glass. Let's see if I can... Call error from glass button. Now, the big test. Dun, 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 connecting. Dun, dun, dun. I also got connecting to agent in my little glass speaker behind my ear. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Sound, sound, output speaker. All right, sounds like something's happening. There we go. Thanks for calling Ira. This is Drew. How can I help you? Hey, Drew. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. So uh, do you have a video connection? I do. I can see quite clearly. What do we see, Drew? Tell us what we see. Well, we got uh, right in front of us to our right, we have a full row of people. We got five people in the front row, six people. And there's a table right behind them, and looks like, uh, you know, maybe a dozen people on this right side. If you'll scan to the left, I could tell you some more here. we got another front row full. People are nice and active, getting right up front there. And then uh, maybe a dozen people behind that. It's a nice big conference room. There's uh, probably six tables on each side here. Um, what else would you like to know tell, about? Tell me, uh, well, tell me about the walls of the room. What kind of color? What, what are they? What are they covered with? And what do they look like? It looks like a well, yellowish, maybe whitish. It's a little hard to tell with that lighting, but uh, uh, let's see here. Keep scanning around here. You got some some lamps on the wall in the back there, along the side. It looks like a paneling kind of wall. Um, there's some drapery along the sides there. Um, it's like a nice little conference room. What about on the uh, floor? What's the carpet look like? That's a nice patterned, sort of floral pattern. It's a reddish with like a yellow burst, kind of. Now, let's see if we can find Troy. Where, where'd he go? Is he still off here to the left somewhere? It looks like he's hiding from you. Yeah, I was going to say, he doesn't <laughs> want me to pick on his shirt again. <laughs> um He's right there. There he is. He's right to your left. So, so, so I did this yesterday. So, tell me what 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 kind of color shirt is Troy wearing? Because he's got cool shirts. Troy is wearing. It looks like a. That's eh, pretty boring. It looks like a white polo. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> Not today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh oh. Yeah. yeah, but I set him up for it, so it's okay. I set right. Drew up to tell. I set Drew up to tell me that information, but that is a good point. <laughs> a boring white polo? Is that what you said? Okay, well. Yeah. I mean, it looks great. He looks great in it. Well, he, he, just... he, 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 okay. Now we're going back to the judgment, Drew. I don't know. <laughs> well, he seemed offended. So, so, and this is one of the interesting. Uh, you know, it's funny uh, that we just did this because one of the things that I said early on to uh, agents as I started working with them is, um, it, it may just be me, but you know, I, at least in Washington D.C. where I am, I feel like dress codes are kind of changing, and I don't really get to know what people are dressed like in meetings, right? I don't know if they're still wearing mostly suit and tie, if they've kind of gone more business casual, if it's jacket no tie, tie no jacket, and so I've 
said to agents, you know, look, I'd like to kind of know what are people wearing in the room. Because, look, we're blind people. We already kind of stick out. Um, we're already kind of noticeable. And it, and if you want to do your own thing, that's cool. But I'd kind of like to know, you know, more or less what the dress code around me is just because I think it's part of what, in being a professional, I want to be able to at least, if I'm going to, if I'm going to stand out, I want to make the decision to do that. But if I want to be able to look like uh, the rest of the group that I'm interacting with, kind of the same sort of dress code, I want to do that. And so this is one of those things that um, it, it's sometimes hard to get that information, um, especially if you don't really have colleagues in the room. Because if you walk up and ask people what you're wearing, that's really not a good opening line. I have found that can lead to trouble. And uh, so... Uh, good, good not to do that. The, the, the other thing, of course, um, as you can tell, uh, or as you might be able to tell, uh, you know, Drew's got uh, a fair amount of distance in, in terms of what he's able to see, which is great because in airports with those overhead signs or any place really where you've got those distant signs uh, that are tough to get, even if you've got low vision and you can do some reading, you probably can't read those signs, and for the most part, most of us can't. Uh, and so it's really nice to be able to have somebody who is trained and able to look for the signage because here's the other thing that when you walk up to an untrained sighted person and you ask okay i'm looking for x address their first response is usually i have no idea and then the second thing i'll say to them is, yeah i think it's actually right here in this block can you look up and see what numbers were near i don't know where the numbers are i think they're actually right up there above your head oh yeah i see there's numbers up there you got to train these sighted people on how to give you information we've already done that with ira so um or, or, yeah, you get the over there, uh, right, of course. Um, and so, so, I mean, I'm sort of teasing a little bit, although it, it, does seem, it does seem as though I found in my life in the last 10 years or so that sighted people really don't read signs. I don't know what it is. They just don't. I don't know why they're there then. It's like they're not there for me. You're not reading them. So who's, who are they here for? Well, I can tell you right now that I can see one sign in the room, and that's the exit sign in the far right. <laughs> You're not, you're, not, you're not suggesting people should use that, are you, though? Absolutely really? not. Okay, I just, you know, want to make sure you're not, you're not queuing people up for that. Um, but the excellent, absolutely. And I think, you know, as I said, one of the things that a lot of our explorers have found so delightful in IRA is, is, is getting around the airport, not having to wait for someone to assist them, um, not being treated like a child. You know, you sit here until we bring somebody for you. Um, being able to find your own baggage, um, because we all got baggage, uh, and uh, and uh, you know, getting getting to the gate now. And and by the way, uh, before somebody asks, because you should ask this question, what about the restroom? Yes, we can get you there. And there's a privacy mode button in Ira. Let's see if I can find it. Uh, why did the volume go so low here? I've just uh, I've just enabled the privacy mode, and I presume Drew, you don't have video. I hope, <laughs> or, or or audio. I meant he can't hear me. Privacy mode turned off. Drew, are you back? Yeah. What were you saying about me? I was saying. Oh, <laughs> they're not going to tell you, but uh, yeah. So so the privacy mode is a real helpful mode, and and I think it's correct, Drew, that if I forget for some reason, you you guys will turn it on, right? So you're not absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Um, and uh, yeah, you, 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 nobody wants to be involved in watching the bathroom. You've got a question. No. Right. Cool, let's do it. Probably the wrong time, but oh yeah, probably the wrong time. But I did in fact need to go to the ladies' room yesterday, 
and I tapped privacy and it didn't work. Now, fortunately, we just ended the call <laughs> and I went on from there. But um, in that case, would I have been able to, and the agent suggested that we end the call. Right. Could I have had her enable privacy or, I mean, I was, it was no biggie. I said, I'll, you know, I can get out of here. I'll call you later. We, we just ended the call. But I, it was, I believe you could have had the agent enable privacy and, and, and it's actually helpful you know you can call back in and i'm gonna come back to that in just a second but you know for a short term duration you know whatever um i mean i've also had the situation where i'm talking to somebody and I, I don't necessarily want the agent to hear what i'm talking about so I'll, I'll hit the privacy mode and you just you know for a couple sec minute or two minutes or whatever you connect it's just easier if you can go back out of that and connect right back in but um something i should say about the call um, when so you end the call, and even if you call back in in a minute, you may or may not get the same agent, which is not a big deal because you know they'll have your profile and they'll know where you are and they'll be able to pick right back up, basically. Um, but just so you know, and one other interesting thing to say about what Ira can do, and then we'll maybe go back to some questions, or I should let Troy talk a little, um, is um, uh, taking pictures. So initially, the picture taking. Uh, was something that was developed as part of the platform to give the agent more ability to read material or to really hone in on something, right? Because there's only so much you c they can do remotely with the video camera to get it to focus, to zoom, magnify, et cetera. Um, and, for example, it's kind of tough, like, to get us, you know, up 20 feet in the air to get to the overhead sign to get really close to it, let's say. So they take a picture, and they can zoom in on the picture, uh, and get information from that. But that has morphed into, as Suman said, other things. And of course, one of the ones that I do like is the taking a picture of my luggage. And then when it's coming down the carousel, they, the, the, it's, it's saved to my profile and the agent can see it. Uh, and so I'm not having to grope every bag that comes by, which, you know, gets annoying. Um, there's, there's probably better ways. You, somebody here in this room could probably teach me better ways to be a blind person. So, I, you know, I'm open. I'm open for those suggestions. But... Um, so, so, and then, of course, it's now morphed into taking the pictures and sharing them because, you know, we want good photos as well. I am, I, my family, they like when I take selfies because they laugh at me because they're bad. Um, some, some blind people are good selfie takers. I'm not one of them. Uh, but now we've got the ability with agents to, uh, to share, to save and share and, and use our pictures. And so it's just been a nice, cool addition. Ira's integrated with Uber. So if you have trouble, you know, it's not so much hard to order an Uber car, perhaps, but sometimes finding where they are, where the driver is. Drivers don't always communicate that well. Um, or, you know, knowing where they are on the map. These are the pain points that, that Ira can help with, for sure, uh, as part of that integration. Let me stop uh, Troy. And, uh, yeah. yeah, I have a question. My name is Nancy. I live in Riverside, California, and I, I visit an outdoor shopping area. It's a circular area. Uh, I might want to go from the nail shop to a restaurant. So let's say I'm, I'm at the nail shop. And how if they if they don't I mean do they have access to looking up information about this mall and telling me well you go to the right and go to the left how would they do that I don't quite understand that it might probably a silly question no it's it's not a silly question at all so that's I get that question all the time um, so first off realize what the agent has in front of them they have a screen like Drew right now has that video but he also has access to the internet and he also knows where you are because of the GPS. And so he has access to a map. And so a very common question is, I'm somewhere um, getting your nails done, let's say, or you know, you've got a haircut or wherever you are and you want to get to someplace else. And it might not even be specific. It might be, hey, I'd like to get something to eat. Can you tell me what's around here? The agent can look on the map, can run a search, can use Yelp, 
and find something that you're looking for. Then using the map, they can basically set up, you know, we'll get instructions from Google on how to navigate you, including bus stop schedules. So there's a feature on Google Maps where you say, I want to get from point A to point B, and I want to use public transit. And it will not only show you the walking instructions, but it will show you the dry, the, the public transit instructions. And so the agent can use that to say, okay, if you're trying to get to this place, then we need to walk you know, a block this way and a block that way, and they'll give you the turn by turn, and we're going to get on bus route number 22. And so all of that is facilitated to the agent, and they're seeing what you see. So if you were to take a wrong turn or they were to guide you wrong, they can, you can recover very quickly. Do anything yeah. you want to add to that? Absolutely. Uh, for some, for example, or something like this, we all have the the map of the casino itself. Each floor pulled up just on on a separate screen here, so I could refer to it when someone calls in. Because the GPS can't be specific right. to where you are in the hotel necessarily, but we have the map pulled up. So if you say you're on the third floor, you're by this, I could figure out exactly where you are and direct you to you know any room in the hotel, pretty much. One of, the, one of the things that I found helpful, too, um, is, for example, I might be navigating. I'm going to visit a friend or, or, or let's, no, say it's a professional colleague, right? I'm going to a business meeting in a restaurant, and I'm navigating to the restaurant with uh, working with the IRA agent. And mostly I'm using my cane skills, and the, there's not that much they need to do. Maybe uh, tell me about construction or other unusual things. But the cool thing is while I'm doing that, they're also bringing up the menu. So this way... I get to hear the menu as I'm walking to the restaurant. I don't have to ask my colleague to do it, which is not a good way to start out showing your independence. And, yeah, could I have done that myself perhaps in advance? Probably, uh, although some of the menus aren't very uh, accessible, so even electronically. And so, uh, so yes, could, maybe not. And, but, even, but either way, now let's say I forgot. I've got the chance now to get prepared as I'm getting into this restaurant and to be able to show this professional colleague that I've got a, a good amount of independence. I don't need their assistance uh, to, do, to do that task. All of that basically uh, working with the agent while at the same time they're also keeping an eye on my, the video feed and the GPS to make sure I'm not, I'm not getting off track. I have a question. The, this, is, this is Christy again. Go ahead. And my question is, um, I veer. And so what does IRA agent do about people veering off course? Let's ask Drew if you want to. Did you hear the question, Drew? Yeah, I did. Uh, it depends on, on your how you're most comfortable navigating, but we can either correct you consistently, uh, just try to keep you directly on track. We can give you something to uh, either guide along or, you know, it's up to you. We're, we're here. We're, we're watching carefully. And if, if, you know, if you're veering off, we could easily tell you how to adjust either by, you know, move to two o'clock a little or start facing to your right a bit. Yeah. And I don't know, I, I don't, I, most of us uh, probably have that experience and I, 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 and I have it all the time when I'm walking with an agent in an airport. So, sometimes the, the hallway is, sometimes the hallway is veering and sometimes I'm veering and sometimes all the people around me are veering. So there's just, you know, and so, but it's, you know, there's that adjustment, which is so cool. It's like, you'll want to step two steps to your left to avoid the person in front of you, or you want to turn slightly uh, maybe to your 11.30, to your 11 o'clock, so you stay uh, it more in the middle of the hallway. That, I mean, just exactly what you're describing, because I, I do it too. And the guide dog doesn't hear you, doesn't hear it, so it thinks you're making the command. 
The, 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 of course, that's right. And the IRA agent, by the way, knows from your profile if you're a cane user or a dog user, um, which sometimes is important, if only because uh, if you're a cane user, the agent might supplement, unless you tell them, I just don't want to know, about uh, head high uh, or higher kinds of things that uh, might be in your path. So um, that's a helpful thing. And yes, uh, with the dog guide, as, as with anything, you're, of course, in control, uh, getting your, using the, the agent's information as a tool, like many others, to, to you know, make your decisions. So... Um Oh, we got lots of questions. So now you, uh, now I can, I can be on a date and find out right away, you know, what's up with that. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Let's get the get the description while the person is there. That that would be fun. Let, let's go ahead and get that. Let's go ahead and get that elephant right there on the table. The date, uh, the dating elephant. Uh, it's uh, it's an important point, and I'm going to ask Drew for a point in just a second on that, but. Um, I mean, this gets into sort of tricky territory, but, um, you know, I think uh, this, as, as an individual with vision loss, I think it's appropriate to ask questions if you want to do that. Um, you probably should. Uh, you should probably explain to a date. Well, first of all, here's what I would do. I would, I would look at the profile picture with my agent, right? So it's just me and the agent looking at if you're, if you're using online dating. Uh, or if you can come up with a profile picture some other way. But if you're out, you know, I think you owe the person the uh, explanation that, hey, I've got uh, these glasses on and I've got an agent uh, working with me. And there's lots of reasons why you might want to do that, including feeling safe, right? Yeah, I have a... And, and so um, I'm going to see if, if Drew wants to comment on this as an agent. I don't know if this has come up for you. Um, not, not that specifically, but, you know, we try to remain as objective as possible and just describe... Uh, someone or something just based on, you know, objective uh, traits, which is surprisingly difficult. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that's we can give as much detail or not as you would as you would like. And, and, and here's the as as this as this service grows, I think this is the kind of thing we need to have conversation among us as users. What and and with agents and with IRA, what's appropriate? How do we handle it? How do we provide the kind of objective information that really I think most of us do want, uh, but sometimes bring in some some judgment? I mean, you know, another interesting one that comes up a lot is clothing choices, right? Do these do these match? Um, and that starts to get into sort of a you know I think an agent can probably give you obviously color if they've got a good good ability, good lighting to, oh. to give you that. But uh, can into, I ask a question here from a? Yeah, and I, uh, I think let's see. I I don't I don't know how we're organizing the questions, so I, well, maybe Troy's got some. Well, I was waiting for for okay. a question. Go for um, it. The uh, does it use uh, like uh, like like the technology like aftershocks head, uh, headsets, uh, like using a, a bone phone type of thing where you when you're listening to your to you you're talking to you. But does it really have a head, uh, headphone, or does yes. it have? A- that's a that's a great question, and I should have said it. So thank you for asking it. Uh, normally, um, I would not do what I'm doing here, which is have the speakerphone on, right? I would have uh, an earbud or an aftershocks headphone. Yes, it does work with those, Bluetooth or wired in all the cases. Um, I know somebody else uses one of those on ear. Uh, devices I don't see as much anymore, but the, the flat uh, device. So whatever you're comfortable with when you're out and about um, using, I, I wouldn't recommend using an ear-covering headphone ever for a blind person. That's a bad idea. Um, have I done it? Yeah, but don't tell anybody. Um, but, I, but yes, the aftershocks, the buds, all that stuff work. Um, anything you can connect to your iPhone, and, um, and that includes, of course, 
the challenges that you know you may have with the iPhone Seven, but obviously Bluetooth is available. I have a, a question, um, and I, I think I know the answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway. <laughs> so uh, let's just uh, come up with a hypothetical situation. I'm walking into some place, and I know that they're going to refuse me uh, entrance with my uh, dog. Mm. Am I? You know, I think we should need to understand that the agent is not going to be involved uh, in this kind of thing. It becomes a legal matter, right? I mean, I think we need to understand that, right? All right, Chief Operating Officer. (laughs) (laughs) Well, first off, that's a very interesting situation. So are you saying that the um, you would like more? Okay. Yeah, I was going to say we. No, but we can take the picture and the you know the pic. Yeah, and what and what you do with it? We provide that picture to you and how you how you. Yeah. Yep. Okay, just in comment to the thing you said, that'd be a perfect way to get the cab number. Take a picture real quick. Um, uh, The question I had, though, is um, are your agents bonded? Now, the reason I ask that in my business, I do contract signing with customers, and I don't find out if they sign for sure until I get back to the office and have the gal I hire look. Of course, I ask them, did you initial here? Did you initial there? Did you sign here? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, sometimes people don't pay attention. They think they did, but they didn't. So... Let's say I would tilt the glasses down so they can look. They'd be looking at a contract, which may be semi-private, but I need to know if it's signed. Is that an issue? And if so, are your agents bonded? So the question directly, are the agents bonded? No. We do background checks and we do um, verification. They are independent contractors, but they're not bonded. But that information um, that they're providing to you and if they took a picture, is your information, and so you can use it the way you want to use it. Yep. I'm Ed Ramsey. I had a question, actually, to you. If you walked into a play or or concert, let's say, and you wanted um, description, let's say you, they didn't have it described or you missed the date, and could uh, y'all do on-the-fly description of a play or a concert, you know, describing the act? Activity on the stage, you know, the ladies excited and dancing and moving and gyrating, you know, that kind of, or the play. And also, if you're in a restroom and you don't want to, you're by yourself, or you just, as soon as you walk in, can the person give you a description, you know, you, you to the left or you're in also the right of the towel, uh, you know, you just don't have to grope. And so, a couple th- questions about use cases. So, um, no, we do not stream or we do not provide information in a restroom. So that's where we do enter privacy mode, and that's our agents are trained to do that. And you as a customer would be explained. So we don't have a solution for you in the restroom today. Um, the other question about you know what other kinds of things can be described, basically anything can be described. And we do have customers who do use IRA to have things like a play or even you know outdoor fireworks or but almost anything you can imagine. We had a user yesterday, or no, it was on Thursday, I think, go up in a hot air balloon, and so they wanted that described. Um, there's almost, uh, you know, I'm still waiting for someone to go skydiving. We haven't had that yet. Um, on a more serious note, I was... 
I was really surprised, and, and it, it, I think it showed a lot about the trust of Ira and the brand that we're trying to create. We had someone describe a funeral. And it was their father's funeral, and, and they really wanted to understand and, and, and see what was going on, and they didn't also at the same time want to rely on the family members who might you know want to be focusing themselves. So they had the whole event described. And then on a lighter side note, I was, we were really excited to see someone had a wedding described, so their daughter got married, and they wanted to really take in that whole scene and that whole, that whole wedding. And they even bragged about it on Facebook, which, of course, at Ira, we love that. Um, but we could probably ask Drew what are some of the more interesting things that, that he might have described that are in the more of the entertainment space. So, Drew, what, what, what kind of fun events have you described? Yeah, I, I just want to say we, as agents, we love a lot of this stuff. We, we love – feels like we're there. It feels very involved. Um, and, you know, it's exciting. Today I – I had a call from uh, a woman in New York City. She lives in Brooklyn, and she was taking a little break from her lunch, and she wanted to go walk down the Brooklyn Promenade. And we took a walk. She kept asking me to describe, you know, what's what can she see over in Manhattan? What's uh, what's in the piers here? And it was a beautiful day. We just took a little walk, and it was uh, it was very nice. And then I'll out myself because I don't know if it was before or after that, Drew, but I, I talked to Drew earlier. For 10 seconds, I just wanted to verify a piece of medication, a, a box of medication that I had, and it, and it literally took, I didn't take time, it took two seconds, um, and we were done. And so, so he gets the boring stuff, too. Um, and, and I would say on the description thing, I know there are p- some people using Ira f- to look at TV uh, here, uh, which I've always kind of wondered. And, and I know the live theater or movie theater, uh, you could run into some issues around streaming video and glass, uh, you know, and I, I can't comment on what the ups or downs of that is except to say what i would argue is look i'm a i'm a blind user i want to get access to the visual information you're not telling sighted people to come in here with their eyes closed so um if until you do then i should be able to bring in bring in my video i think it would be really tough though god i can't imagine trying to be a describer of of a of an active play or movie but um b- because it would be difficult for you as a user to kind of cue them to the stuff you're looking for without disturbing the audience but hey you know there's interesting a lot of interesting use cases. Questions? Um, yes, I have a mic here. Thank you. Uh, as far as, again, the privacy, the, uh, the profile, say, can you tell, and you're talking about colors, clothing, et cetera, um, if the agent sees, and Chris, this can happen to all of us, you have a really bright red stain on your mm-hmm. white blouse. Can you ask, or should that be in your profile? I want to know if this outfit needs it needs is stained. I, do you users do that all the time? Uh, and I, I mean, I don't know. If you'd want to put it, need to put it in your profile. I think you'd simply call in and say, "Look, I want to check my clothing. Uh, does this look okay? <laughs> Are there stains? Are there apparent problems?" I know. I mean, I know, we hear this all the time, and and. I, I believe I've done it myself. You want to, you know, you want to check to make sure there isn't something obviously stained or otherwise problematic. And if you ever get 24 hours, I would love to be able to, to get the television and say, what the hell is that ad all about? The one that doesn't have any, uh, you know, the music. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I kind of wonder about those companies. Like, yeah, we don't want to sell to blind people, obviously. Somebody had a question here? Question? Raise your hand. Okay. One. Hello, oh. I'm Lynn now in Sarasota, but I lived in Alaska for 25 years. Um, we still haven't talked about the price, and I know that it's not, uh, right. <laughs> cheap, you know, not 
Well, not very uh, affordable. Yeah, no, so no. I would like to know about that for ordinary people. Yeah, thank you for that. And, and I wasn't trying to prevent it. I really am glad you asked that, Lynn, and I'm going to hand it to Troy. <laughs> so uh, the, the model that we provide today is a subscription service. So you're paying by the month. You're not paying for equipment. It's literally by the month, and there's a lot of flexibility. So we have plans that do range from $89 all the way up for unlimited minutes that run $329 a month. And we do have some users who subscribe to that unlimited plan, just that's how much they use IRA. At the convention today and tomorrow, and while we're here, we have a 15% discount on your first three months. We also are doubling the minutes for the first three months. So our $89 plan provides 100 minutes a month, but if you sign up, the first three months are double. So that $89 plan is 200 minutes. Again, you can cancel at any time. You can change plans at any time. So we're, you know, it is a subscription, but what we didn't want to do is recreate some of the pain that we all have with our mobile plans, right, which contracts, and so none of that. So, again, if you want to sign up, you run for a month, and you find out, you know, this isn't the service for me or I'm just not getting the value, you can return the equipment, and, and you're done with the service. Yeah. Now, what... We heard last night, Simon talked at the keynote if you were there, and we had a couple of product announcements, and the one I'm excited about is the referral program. So turns out most of the customers that have joined IRA have come from our passionate customers who have referred other customers, right? And so this is awesome. And we got to thinking, well, you know, that saves us money because we don't have to spend money on, on advertising and marketing, so why not give that benefit back to the user. So if you are an IRA user and you refer someone, you get a month free if they sign up and they get a month free. And there's really no limit to how many people you can invite. And it doesn't even have to be a friend or family. It just can be someone you met. And so we have a lot of our customers who love to like share and demo like on the spot. And so this is another way to, you know, you can make it um, a little more affordable. Um, what else am I missing the way? We have so many good promotions. We're also um, throwing in a pair of aftershocks um, at the conference. So these are wired aftershocks that you can use uh, when you're out and about. So I'll stop there. That was a lot of information. Um, yeah, Paul, you wanted to add one thing? Um, yeah, and actually, so Troy's right about the referral. I've already heard about one of our users who's, well, it, it, by this afternoon, he was up to seven. So he's got seven months free coming his way. Um, and he's, his goal is to get to a year. I think it's a he. Um, but I also wanted to say something a little bit edgy, um, about uh, not about the, the cost, because you're absolutely right. And it's you know, one of the things that I, I want to work on in Washington is to see what we can do to help uh, address the cost factor for a service like this. It obviously costs, and the major cost for IRA, it's no secret, is in the labor, is in the agents, and the agents are awesome, and they deserve and should be paid, and probably should be paid more than we pay them. I don't know. But um, well, what I wanted to say is I understand that there is uh, some work being done to try to create uh, a position for ACB uh, and maybe others in the blindness groups that would start making the case for something like it's not precisely the same, but something like the video relay service. People who are deaf, quite rightly in my mind, do not pay to use the telecommunications network just uh, any more than we do, and they shouldn't. Um, but they have a very expensive service provided by relay interpreter type people, uh, video or audio, 
um, that allows deaf people to communicate. And in my mind, there is no reason why we shouldn't be looking for solutions like that, whether it's Ira or anyone else that's in the space um, who is wanting to provide access to visual information, to navigation information, to ensure that our environment begins to have a lot more data available so blind people can get around independently, can learn what's inside or outside uh, buildings and locations. And GPS does a lot of good, but there's still a lot of points of interest that don't have labels, a lot of indoor spaces that it's very difficult to get around with or without an, a- an IRA agent. Uh, and there's solutions that are available for that, but those solutions are expensive. They need to be invested in. And in my mind, um, these are the kinds of things that if we're going to make the Americans with Disabilities Act and other um, civil rights laws really meaningful for this next generation in these next steps, we need to be able to provide blind people with access to visual information. And I believe that the kind of way in which that is done with something like Video Relay, where it's just a few pennies paid by everybody in the country, is a perfectly valid and great way to get that done. I think we're getting close to being done. And we, we do have an IRA event in Bonanza Sea coming up right after this. Um, He's got that radio voice, that's right. We used to, uh, we would go up on the, on the hill in D.C. every year. Yep. And we would uh, explain to the uh, representatives or their assistants that, you know, Medicare will not provide glasses because they don't provide anything with a lens, so therefore they wouldn't pay for the CCTVs. And all the legislators said, oh, we didn't know that. <laughs> um, so what I'm saying here is, are there situations, because it seems to me that this would provide people with a great deal of independence and keep them out of structured yeah. living sure. uh, yeah. environments, uh, if we could get Medicare to pay for I, 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 I think these are the, exactly the kinds. Of, look, I, you, go, those of you who have known me for a while know I, I love I, I love policy nerding out with the best of them, uh, and these are the kinds of things I really want to work on trying to figure out how do we how do we create the solutions that work, that make sense, that we can fund and support. And Medicare's it's been a, a naughty. Naughty, not naughty, but naughty problem uh, for a while that we haven't resolved. So I mean, it, and even I mean, to me, that's like that's like the simplest thing you could possibly explain to a member of Congress. But as we know with healthcare, who knew it was so hard um, to <laughs> to get it <laughs> to, to uh, revise it? Um, and Medicare is, is is not these are not easy solutions to to do, um, but. I do hope, uh, I hope something like a resolution that I've heard being talked about here at ACB comes up because ACB has always been at the forefront of really trying to raise these access issues, whether it's Medicare, whether it's back in the day, way back in the day with video description and detectable warning, ACB was the lead or organization to get that stuff done. And I would love to see ACB take the lead in getting this information access kind of to the next step uh, that I was just describing and the kinds of things that Ira is doing and, and, and unleash a whole bunch of other tech innovators to do other stuff or to compete and to do it better if they can. I mean, that's fine. Paul? Um, all of that would be great. Yeah, Paul, I have oh. a, one question. This is Armand Bacallion from Sacramento. How does a user or a new user out in the field get trained if I want to, if somebody is referred or how does that marketing side work uh, to get new users? So, so uh, I mean, I would say that marketing... Uh, 
Troy Clozier is probably not something that Ira's done all that well up until recently, um, but I now, but Ira's rocking and rolling it now. And if you if you had been over to the booth, you had met Kelly and some of the team over there. They're they're dynamic. It's awesome. We've got a team that's really doing that. But to an- answer what might be your specific question is, you sign up, you get the glasses, you get the device, the phone, you um, you can call in or or set up a time with Ira to do an onboard. It's done remotely, uh, and they'll teach you what you need to know about how to run the glasses and what it how it works. That is, no. yeah. Is that somebody was no, asking? That doesn't, that, that doesn't did, get charged here, minutes. Okay. Um, and I know Tony was going to say, well, my good friend Tony. Just a comment, Tony Stevens from ACB. Uh, let me let me uh, give you the mic. You get a mic. Yep. I come in your way. Hold on. So hold on. Hold on. Yeah, I'm holding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Thank you, Tony, with ACB. Uh, Paul, just to add to the, uh, Mike, your question. We are we are actively working in like the Senate and other other places, the aging committee in the Senate. Um, specifically on ways that we can find technologies like IRA, but other, you know, I, our hope is that this draws attention and then other folks will innovate as well um, to come up with new ideas. We just had a, a briefing to senators, staff, and Ed Markey was a big part of that. Um, a couple of weeks ago, IRA was there along with a bunch of other assistive tech folks and sort of thinking forward uh, with technology. But the more we make the argument that this sustains independence in the home, um, and prevents people from having, from older age adults, let's say, from having to be institutionalized, is probably one of the sh- the, the strongest things we have that, that echoes the messaging that even Republicans are talking about um, amidst the conservative health care debates. So um, I, I think in that sense, just wanted to, to let you know, if, I mean, from ACB's perspective, what we're doing is definitely looking at this, and, and in terms of the same way that we're finding success with our low vision devices demonstration we're, we're currently pushing through right now, um, we're, you know, thinking that this is the kind of space that we can also then attach on to say, look, technologies or innovations like this are excellent ways to keep people, um, in a, you know, in, in a sense to save huge amounts of costs that institutionalization can result in to offset those costs. Yeah, and I'll, and I'll, put a, I'll just put a, a, a nice uh, bit of word out for another organization called Wayfinder, which is a UK-based organization, but they're developing an indoor standard, right? So... So for automatically going in, you know, a mall, transit facility, whatever it might be, you go in, you got your smartphone, kind of like you have here with the beacons. I mean, it's it's exactly like what you have here with the beacons, only making that something that's much more widely available and expected. Um, There is an app for here. Um, And so, which we can talk about separately. But, but I... But in the point, the reason I wanted to plug that is to point out that there's lots of good stuff happening. Ira is one great example of that. But there's lots of good stuff happening that if we can get these technologies move forward, if we can get smartphones into the hands of blind people, and if we can figure out ways to fund it and support it, the, the, there's so much opportunity in our future. And you know, if you want to be able to sell it sort of on the Republican side, it means that we get to go spend our money in a lot more places, and that's cool for everybody. This is Christy again, and I just want to say... I have been for a long time concerned about walking around by myself. And um, one of the cool things that I would love is to be able to look around and ask my IRA agent, is anyone following me? Who's around me? Yeah, and I I think it's a good place to close it. I know we've got a user who sometimes... um, checks in not because she necessarily needs help but it's a remote area and she just likes to know that she's got somebody kind of watching her back as it were uh just like you described listen we probably better close it down because i think we're getting close to closing time and we need to get over to the ira event which is in bonanza c so if you want more ira even more ira in your life bonanza c in booth 28 i'm going to give it back to becky to close it down
Hi, everybody. Um, I, I just would like to give you, have you give a big round of applause to Paul and to Troy and to Drew. Yeah. This really is something that works in tandem with environmental access and the work that this committee wants to, to accomplish. And um, that's why we really wanted to, to ask Ira to be part of this presentation. Um, there is so much information that we don't have access to that we could so easily have access to. We have a lot of thinking and brainstorming and work to do, but we're all going to be better off when we do it. So thanks, everybody, for coming, and uh, have a great night.